Well, in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 21, it says, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of words, the power of words. See, see, one of the most powerful forces known to man is the words that we choose to speak. Let's look at what James has to say about our words. In James chapter 3, and I know you just got through going through the book of James. I know that you talked about this, but I just want to reiterate it and just read it to you. Man, it is so powerful. It is, you know, James was a bulldog, was he not? He was a bulldog. Listen to what James has to say about our words. In James chapter 3, verse number 6, he says, he says, and the tongue is a fire. He said, it's a world of iniquity. He said, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. Hopefully we can tame it down a little. He said, no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, he says, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. He said, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Would you say amen to that? He says this, he says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? So no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Wow, wow. Well, today I want to make three statements about the power of words. And the first statement that I want to make is this, and that is words can hurt. Would you agree? Yeah, words can hurt. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 64 and verse number three, he says, they sharpen their tongues like swords and aim their bitter words like arrows. The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 15 and verse number one, harsh words make tempers flare. He wrote again in Proverbs 18 and eight, rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. One more. The psalmist again, Psalm 52, verse number two, listen to the words he says. He says, all day long you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You're an expert at telling lies. Wow, words can hurt. For example, critical words in your notes, critical words. Have you ever been zinged by criticism? It hurts, doesn't it? Criticize perhaps for how you talk or maybe criticize for how you dress or maybe criticize for how you do something. I had another preacher criticize and even make fun of my golf swing. Can you imagine that? I teed off and I hit the ball and after I did, he said, it didn't hurt. I said, excuse me? He said, it didn't hurt. I said, what are you talking about? He said, your golf swing. It doesn't make your back hurt. (laughs) 
And every time we played golf, he criticized my golf swing. And one time I had it too much and he criticized my golf swing. And I walked over to him and I got in his face and I said to him, I said, we'll just look at the scorecard at the end of the round. (laughs) Pastor, did you beat him? Sure did. Sure did. Sometime later, I was playing with him again, and my son Chad was playing with us, and we were on about the, you know, seventh or eighth hole, and this pastor hadn't said anything, and so my son, who knew the story, asked him, said, said, you're not going to dig my dad? You're not going to make fun of my dad's golf swing? He said to my son, he said, how can I? He beats me every time we play. Words hurt, right? Critical words. How about condescending words? Condescending words. I'm the youngest of four children. My sister was the oldest, and my and then my parents had three boys. I was the oops baby. You know what I'm talking about? I was the oops baby. Baby number four, the oops baby. My see, see, my father already had any meanie and money, and he didn't want no more. But I came along anyway. And my father and I, we didn't get along very well. My mother always said it's because we were too much alike. I don't know. But me and my father, we didn't get along very well when I was growing up. I was his least favorite child, and it showed. When I was about 12 years old, my dad built a house. And he took my two older brothers with him to build this house, and he left me at home to help mama. I didn't want to stay home and help mama. I I wanted to go with dad. I wanted to go with my brothers. I I wanted to go with the men. I I said to my father, I said, "Why, why why do Bruce and Dennis get to go with you to build a house, and I've got to stay here at the house and help mama? My dad took me out to the truck and he pulled a two before out from the truck and he pulled a hammer and he pulled three 16 penny nails. He threw the two before on the floor, on the ground and he gave me the hammer and he gave me a nail and he said, drive a nail in that two before. I'm 12 years old. I know how to drive a nail. I bend the nail. He hands me another and says, try this one. I bend the second one. He hands me the third nail. He says, here, I bend it. He said, see, that's why you're staying home with your mama. Words hurt, right? They hurt. They hurt. I, I don't know what it was, but one day me and my dad was going at it, and and I, I said to my father, I said, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I said, I said, I, I'm, I said to my dad, I said, I'm very popular in school. I said, I'm captain of the football team. I, I, I'm president of the student council. I have lots of friends. My dad said to me, yeah but we know what you're really like. Wait, what? Words hurt, right? 
words hurt, condescending words. <laughs> By the way, two things. Number one, I would have never told that story if my father was still alive. Would never hurt my father. Second of all, my father apologized to me later in life and Actually, I climbed the ladder from the least favorite to the most favorite before he died. (laughs) But the truth is, words hurt. How about contentious words? Contentious means words that are likely to cause an argument or stir something up. (laughs) Do you know people like this? Don't look around. (laughs) Don't point at anybody. Do you know anybody like this? They're always in a part of drama, always in the middle of controversy, always stoking its fire. Oh, they just love to dangle the bait, hoping that somebody will bite and the fight will begin. The pandemic revealed a host of contentious people. It seems that we went from one controversy to the other. And it is amazing, amazing what we discovered. I didn't know there were so many experts. Come on. Words can hurt, right? Words, words can hurt. Even just careless words. Just careless words. See, see, if we truly understood the power of words, we wouldn't be so careless with them. The psalmist said in Psalm 141 and verse number three, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Oh, listen, listen, I'm pretty sure that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Talking about the power of words this morning. Words can hurt. But the good news is, and aren't you glad there's some good news this morning? Come on, let's change the atmosphere this morning. And the good news is, words can help. Words can help. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 32 says, The lips of the godly speak helpful words. And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, Paul writes, and he says, don't use foul or abusive language. Oh, I want to camp here for a little bit. I think we're getting a little too loose with our talk. Hello? Paul says, don't use foul or abusive language. And then he goes on to say, let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words, say your words, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So let me give you four types of words that are helpful. First of all, complimenting words. Yeah, that's helpful, right? Complimenting words. Mark Twain said, he said, I could live two months on a good compliment. I know of a pastor who stores all the compliments that come to him by text or email. He stores them. And this pastor says that that when someone is criticizing me, he says, or when I'm a little bit down or depressed about things not going as well as I think they should or that I think that they could, he said, "I, I pull up all of those compliments on my phone. And he says, I read them over and over and over again, and they help pick me up. That's a good idea. By the way, how long has it been since you complimented a pastor or staff member? Let me let you in on a little secret. People are a whole lot freer with their complaints and criticism than they are with their compliments. 
Let me tell you, it's not, every Sunday is not pastor appreciation. Every Sunday is not uh, celebrate the pastor's 50th anniversary. Let me tell you the truth. Words can help. How about confirming words? Confirming words. I'll never forget, years ago, I was pastoring in another city and... And we had a position to come open in our church and the Lord laid a certain man on my heart that he would be good to fill the position. And I'll never forget, I went to see him one day. He was working on his house. He was in the backyard. I could see it like it was yesterday. I went to the backyard. He was cleaning up some tools uh, uh, in, in the back and I began to talk to him. And then I told him, I said, I said, I said, hey man, uh, there's a position that has opened up in the church. And I told him what the position in the church was. And I said, hey, and I called him my name and I said, hey, I think you would be an incredible, I think you are the man for the job. I think you would do an incredible job in this position. And I'll never forget, tears began to well up in his eyes. Tears began to roll down his cheeks. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor, Pastor, I'm 30 years old and that's the first time in my my entire life when anybody ever told me they thought I could be good at anything. May I tell you that he took the position? May I tell you that he did a great job in the position? May I also tell you that sometime later I was able to help him become a credentialed minister with the Assemblies of God? Can I tell you a little time later this man uh, began pastoring a church? Can I tell you a few years after that he became one of our Assemblies of God foreign missionaries? Complimenting words. Uh, confirming words, confirming words. I love being a dad. Like they stated, doctor told me that there was just no chance at all that I would ever be a father. He said, you're a young man. He said, start the process now, begin to adopt because you'll never, not one chance in a million. You'll be a father. But I am, got two. Got a son. And then after I had a son, I I wanted a, I wanted a daughter. I wanted a little girl. And my father, man of God, pastor, said, Well, you can't have a daughter because you need a miracle. And every miracle, baby, in the Bible is a boy. I said, I'm getting a double miracle. I'm getting a girl. <laughs> there she is. And so I cherish my family. I cherish my kids because they're miracles. They're miracles. They're God's gifts. And I didn't do everything right. I, I, please understand, you know, I'm giving you the filtered version of, you know, what I'm saying, I mean, got the filters on. So, but I will tell you one thing that I did right. And that is, I did it for both of them when my little kids were little. And I, I remember taking Chad out one Sunday after church. I told Chad, I said, I said, ride with me, ride with me. Mom, and, you know, we went different t- uh, cars always because I go early to the church. And, and, and so I said, you ride with me, son. And so he hopped in the car with me and we're driving home. And I purposely didn't drive home. I drove into a little area and I pulled over to the side of the road and I stopped the car and 
I looked at my son and I said, son, I said, son, you're my son and I love you. And I want you to always know that your daddy loves you. And I'm proud of you. And I said, son, I want want you to know that if your daddy, if I had the opportunity to pick any little boy in the whole world to be my little boy's son, Chad, I choose you. A few years later, I told my little girl, Baby, ride with daddy on the way home today. She jumped in the car with me again. I, on the way home, purposely went somewhere different. I parked the car and I put it in, I parked the car and I looked at her and I said, Krista, you're my little, you're my little girl. You're, you're, you're my baby. You're the apple of daddy's eye. And, and I want you to know that I love you. I love you and daddy is proud of you and daddy will always love you. And, and, and Krista, I want you to know that if your daddy, if I, if I have the opportunity to pick any little girl in the entire world to be my little girl, Krista, I choose you. I challenge you moms, I challenge you dads. Do something like that to your kids. Confirming words. Words can help. Words can help. Oh, oh, complimenting words, confirming words, cultivating words. Cultivating words. Harry Hopman built an Australian dynasty in world, ten- in world tennis. He did it through cultivation. He took a slow player and nicknamed him Rocket. <laughs> he took a frail, weak, skinny kid and nicknamed him Muscles. Rod, Rocket, Laver, and Ken Muscles Rosewall became two of the greatest tennis players of all time. Why? Why? Because someone took the time to cultivate them. Somebody took time to speak positive, encouraging, life-changing words over them. Words can help. The fourth type of words that can help are challenging words. Challenging. I'm telling more stories than I normally do. You know me. I don't normally, but bear with me this morning. Challenging words. When my son was going into his sophomore year in high school, I moved our family. Not the best time to move a family. I moved us from Elk City, Oklahoma to Midland, Texas, a place that we had never been to in our entire lives. We left an established church of around 300 on a Sunday morning and we went to a city that we had never been in before to plant a brand new church from scratch starting with only seven people. One little couple with a brand new baby. Me and my wife and our two kids, that's the only committed people we had to start. Seven people to start the church. Chad has always been a great baseball player. He's always, he has always been the best player on every single team he ever played on from the time he was in T-ball till he finished high school. Now, that's not just dad talking. That's the truth. Oh, yeah, we believe that. Everybody believes our son is. But he really was. When he was in the ninth grade, ninth grade, the high school football, or excuse me, the high school baseball coach wanted Chad to play and be a starting catcher on the high school team. Ninth grade. But we moved. We moved to Midland. 
And no one knew my son. All the players had grown up together, and Chad was an outsider. And so Chad shows up for baseball practice. And not only did they not place Chad on the varsity, they didn't even place him on the junior varsity. They placed him on the sophomore team. And Chad was crushed, literally crushed, because baseball was his life. He was always the star. And he came home crushed, and he came home crying. And he said to, said to me, he said, Dad, I'm going to quit. I said, no, son, you're not going to quit. I said, son, they don't know you. They don't know you, and they don't know what you can do. I said, you and I both know that you do not belong on the sophomore team, even though he was a sophomore. But you don't belong on that team. We both know that you don't. I said, you just have to go back and prove it. He went back the next day, and he did just that. It was only a couple of practices in before the sophomore coach said to my son, said, Benson, why are you here? You don't belong here. You don't belong on this team. Get over there with the JV. It wasn't long with the JV until the JV coach said, Benson, you deserve a varsity uniform. Go get one. He ended up making most valuable player before he graduated. Words. Words can help. Words, words can help. Challenging, challenging words. Oh, oh, let me challenge you this morning. Tell someone you can when all they've ever heard all of their life is you can't. Challenge someone. Challenge them to do more, be more, care more, love more. Because sometimes all that stands between victory and defeat is a challenging word. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words have power. Words can hurt. Words can help. And, and some more good news, words can heal. Words can heal. Proverbs 10 verse 11 says, The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Don't you love that? Oh, I love that. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18 says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise brings healing. So let me ask you this morning, which would you rather be known for making cutting remarks or for bringing healing? Verse 25 of Proverbs 12 says, an encouraging word cheers a person up. Let me give you three types of words that heal. The first one is comforting words. Comforting words. Words as simple as, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, you just royally messed up. But somebody comes alongside of you, puts their arm around you, and simply says, it's okay. It's okay. You can recover from this. Comforting words. Words like, I understand. 
Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I understand. Comforting words, words like I love you, words like I'm here for you. Words can heal. Commending words. Everybody likes to be commended. A word of commendation brings reassurance. Let me let you in on a, a little secret. Everybody is insecure. It's true. It's true. Did you hear me? Yes. Do you agree? Yes. Everybody is insecure. The most confident people still battle insecurity. Right. Arrogance is often just a cover-up for insecurity. Some are more insecure than others, of course, but we all... All battle it. Husbands and wives need words, need words of commendation from one another. Oh, 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 listen, listen. I love, I love to go out into the lobby and receive commendation from, from some of the members on Sunday morning. I, I love that. I, I'm blessed by that. But let me tell you that the commendation that I look for most and the commendation that I appreciate the most comes from my wife. Children need commendation from their parents. And hey, parents need it from their children. I love it. I love it when my son calls me his hero and his best friend. I love it when my daughter posts a glowing description of me on Father's Day. And speaking of friends, friends need commendation from each other. Recently, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me about a relationship I had with a, with a certain friend. And the Holy Spirit, first of all, he revealed the fact that what irritated me about him, I was guilty of too. Don't you love the sweet Holy Spirit? But the Holy Spirit also revealed to me about this relationship that Revealed to me how much this friend needed my praise. Needed my recognition, my affirmation, and my commendation. And I'm just being really open and honest and vulnerable with you today. In the past, I'd been guilty of one-upping him. You know what a one-upping is? If he has 10, you know, you get 50, you've got 15, you know. If he did it in 12 seconds, you did it in that. You know what I'm saying? Somebody said the first liar ain't got a chance. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I have since purposely, on purpose, stopped doing that. I've had to catch myself a time or two. But purposely, I've stopped doing that. And instead, instead, I try to give him the commendation that he seems, for whatever reason, he needs it from me. And so he gets it from me. Words can heal. Consistent words. See, our comforting and commending words can only bring healing if they're consistent. I promise you that people who are guilty of critical, condescending, contentious, careless words are very consistent. I had to overcome a lot of negative words that were spoken over me and to me by my father and by my siblings. 
My brother consistently called me dumber. He never called me Mike. He never called me by my name. He always called me dumber. I'm to get, go to school, dumber. Dad said we had to clean the garage, dumber. Dumber. My sister called me, poor little dumb boy. <laughs> she was six years older than me. I hope she knew more than I did. <laughs> Come on, it's okay. It wasn't okay, but it is okay. But listen, God placed some very wonderful people in my life as a young adult who consistently spoke positive words over me. I'll never forget one such early mentor when I was trying to make a decision. And I was vacillating and vacillating. I'm sure I wore him out. But I'll never forget, he told me, he says, Mike, whether you do or you don't, whether you go or don't go, you're going to do fine because you've got favor in your life. You've got God's blessing in your life. You've got incredible gifts, talents, and abilities. So wherever you go, you're going to shine. Wherever you go, you're going to do well. Wow. That's some wonderful words to hear. Amen? Especially when you were used to hearing the opposite of that most of your growing up years. God placed some very wonderful people in my life as a young adult consistently spoke positive words over me. And I want you to know this morning, and I'm telling you the truth, I am neither wounded nor overly insecure today. And I'm told that I'm not lacking in confidence. I'm told. How could that be? Because God has used some godly people to consistently speak positive, uplifting, affirming, life-changing words to me. But oh, I want to tell you something that's even greater. Something even greater than this. And that is my life was changed and continues to be changed by the word. Yeah, by the word, God's word, God's word. Thank God for godly men and women that have spoken over to my life and have blessed me with positive, encouraging, uplifting, life-changing words. But all I want to tell you above and beyond all of that is that this word that I have put in my heart, this word that I put in my spirit, this word, it's this word that has changed my life. Do you know what God's word says about you? It says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that his workmanship in your creation is absolutely marvelous. Oh, it says that you are the head, you are not the tail, you're above, you're not beneath. It says that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. It says that he has a plan for your life. And this plan is to bless you and not to curse you. Oh, this plan is to include prosperity, to give you a future and a hope. Listen to these two scriptures this morning. Psalm 107 verse 20 says he said his word and healed them. John 6 and 63, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Words can heal, especially the words 
of Jesus. So I challenge you today to read the words of Jesus and I challenge you to speak the words of Jesus over your life but also over your family and over your friends for his words are spirit and his word is life. The takeaway for the message today is this. Our words have the power to build someone up or tear someone down. Which will it be? What will we choose?